Yeah, what's up? It's I'm gonna keep it mind, y'all know. It's all right, good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Ike Steen sitting in for Pastor Barnett this morning. Uh, I have two distinguished guests, and we welcome you to join this conversation this morning. First of all, we're thanking everybody who got up this morning to listen to this show. And you can call us, 972 to join the conversation and I do have uh, with me this morning uh, two distinguished guests, uh, Miss Carolyn Arnold, City Council District 4. Good morning, Miss Arnold. Good morning. And I also have School Board Trustee Miss Joyce Foreman. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. And you can, if you have any questions for these ladies or uh, you want to join this conversation, this is your school board trustee. This is your city council if you're in District 4. Or if you're not in District 4 and you got a question for uh, Ms. Arnold, or you're not in District 6 and, and you got one for Ms. Uh, Foreman, feel free to call because they are connected with the people that represent you. So, uh... Mr. Arnold, I'm going to let you kind of introduce uh, yourself and get it going. Well, good morning, uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, as stated, I'm Councilwoman Carolyn King Arnold. and definitely happy to be back uh, on behalf of the constituents. And before we get going today, I just want to mention there are a couple of hot items we need you to stay abreast of, whether it's through social media, through the, through the uh, standard media, or just through uh, your churches, and we'll be disseminating information through media. But, you know, we've got to stay on top of this vaccine. We've got to remember we've got to, to stay masked up, stay safe, be wise. I know some are beginning to pull the mask off, but that's a decision that we all need to understand the impact of. Uh, so besides the vaccine, and we also have to be aware uh, uh, that there is now a, a variant out here. And so we've still got to make sure that we're taking care of our business as it relates to that vaccine and with COVID impact. So that's one of the topics I wanted to put out first and foremost, and we'll follow up with the budget and issues that we've addressed around the horseshoe. But I did want to throw that out early on in the conversation. All right, Ms. Foreman, let's, 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 let's roll. Well, good morning again. And um, I am so excited because uh, graduations are now over. And this year, not like last year, we had uh, in-person graduations. It was so good to see the young people excited and um, happy about their graduations. I had the distinguished honor to do four this year. Uh, I did David W. Carter, Kathleen Joy Gillum, and Justin Ford Kimball, and my alma mater, Lincoln High School, those mighty tigers. So it was just a great joy to see these young people finish their graduation. And I also had an opportunity to recognize uh, one of the uh, graduates of David W. Carter at the Dallas ISD school board meeting on last Thursday, where uh, Walter Taylor III, who was the valedictorian up until about two days before the graduation, and he became the salutatorian when they reran the numbers. Uh, was there a fine young man, a good example of what our young people are, 
we often see and hear what they are, but we know that there are some great young people out here. So that was an extreme excitement for me also. And I'm ready to start on next year's planning. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Foreman, you said they re-ran the numbers. Uh, yes. Kind of explain that. I think our kids and our people, black people in general, it's always got to be a recount, a rerun, a, a reshuffle. It's always us. Kind of get kind of bitter when we got the lead. So kind of re- uh, emphasizing what they're saying about rerunning the numbers. Well, actually, uh, tallying the points for uh, graduation and the points for where they stand in ranking um, happens, um, you know, in the senior year. It happens in the junior year, too, but mostly in the senior year. And this time, uh, they ran the numbers up to uh, the last few days of graduation. Uh, And some of that had to do with Uh, the fact that uh, many students have been out of school and they were coming back. But the the big problem is is that our students don't deserve to find out their ranking uh, at the last minute. Right. Right. That is not the way we should be treating children. Right. And so, therefore, I've asked the administration to revisit that policy uh, regarding ranking and that uh, in the senior year that we stopped the ranking maybe in uh, January. And after they run the finals in January, that should be the end because what happens is uh, some students are being assisted in figuring out how to leapfrog the person in front of them. And, and that is not the way we should be doing this system. So we are now going to relook at the system and make sure that this doesn't happen mm-hmm. to students again. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you can join this conversation, 972-647-1893. And I have a distinguished guest this morning. And we want you to talk to us. You know, this is the voice of the people. We thank you for all your donations. We thank you for just standing with us through a tornado, through a freeze, through COVID-19. And we have been through a lot. You have been through a lot. And uh, I, I was thinking about Miss Arnold on the way out here and how that, you know, during the freeze, uh, you know, people were hungry and city council members all over was getting out, making sure the food was being distributed. And people was complaining about busted water pipelines mm-hmm. and stuff, and everybody had it. And But it was Miss Arnold's fault over there in District 4. Where is Carolyn Arnold? So uh, we have a caller. Who do we have on the line? Yeah, we have a call. Who do we have? All right. Good morning, caller. Yes, sir. How you doing this morning, Blackhawk? Okay, what I want to talk about that woman over on Fraser Street that stabbed her daughter. She was many years. She had been to a little hospital and got out. And she committed that. So I was in Greenville for a whole bunch of times. I saw lives up there, beat up there, and everything. A woman could not get the no help, uh, a help that she needed. See. No health system in this country in Dallas is broken. Uh, the prison system in, in this state of Texas, we have more prisons than any other state. And it's broken. Our recidivism is great. 
And just slip to your back out of the streets and come in these apps. Drugs, 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 all in the south, district, all in the district, all over the house. The killing people are all like that. So just legalize these drugs like you do in the dark, do in the countries, you know, Scandinavia. And maybe they'll take some of this killing away, some of these drugs out the street, there won't be so many murders in Dallas. So we're going to black out, they'll take my car. Hello, Josh, fast man in the high school, Matty Tiger. All right. Mighty Tiger. As you make, as you make, as you make Parker, uh, I gave a question. I, I, I come to Kim Parker. You remember Kim, Kim Parker? Of course I remember K.P. Kind of first, first black firefighter. K.P., that's here. As you make a fire station, that's Kim Parker, first black firefighter in this city. That's correct. Uh, I said I'm a lecker. All right. And thank you for your call, uh, uh, Black Hawk. Colonel, let's talk about the police. Uh, we do have some issues with the police department. I, I seen an article where uh, our mayor was riding around with Chief Eddie Garcia just to go by and you know, drive and look and observe what do police officers have to deal with in these streets. And I think it was a good gesture that he did get in there mm-hmm. and ride with the chief. My concern is why he didn't ride around the city with Chief Hall. Well... I can't answer on that, but you left a few minutes ago uh, with the comments about during the struggle that we've been through over the last 2020 uh, season, uh, 19, it was 2020 and early, of course, 2021. But, you know, it is, uh, it has been a, it has been a challenge, but it's been interesting uh, to get out to, I'm going to have to say this since you finished, didn't finish your sentence there before we had a caller, but we were able to get out along with many other um, uh, the council members to make sure that uh, those who needed food were had food. We were able to also partner up to get some of the generators for those individuals who didn't have um, sufficient um, heat in the homes. Uh, we were able to just get out on boots on the ground, and uh, I know volunteers were coming from everywhere. You too volunteered to make sure food was delivered to those individuals who needed it. So it was a time when this city came together, and I was very proud to be a part of, of that outreach as God have, has enabled us to to be in a position to serve those individuals during that season. But also during this time as you move forward, and we're going to continue that vein because there are still some people who are trying to recoup from the pipes that were busted and other shortcomings that they experienced. Um, there is now funds uh, that's coming through the Recovery Act where we can continue to reach out to some of these individuals who need our help along uh, the lines of homelessness, uh, recover, uh, housing renovations, uh, and health and wel- welfare assistance. And when I talk about health and welfare, it just means the wellness and uh, health of the body as well as the home. Now, in terms of public safety, you know, we have a new chief in town, uh, Chief Garcia, and he's been very active and, and full of energy, and they've had a, quite a few uh, interesting uh, ventures, I would say, in the last couple of months. Uh, he has been, I've, I've had a ride along with him through um, my district, and, and all council members have done that. But we also have to accept the fact that, yes, he is the new chief in town, but the, it, the situation is still the same. We are, sti- we are still short when it comes to manpower on the force. And so it's going to take not only just the police department rethinking and reprioritizing, and, and they're doing some of that in line with the social justice movement, if you recall, 
uh, reprogramming the direction in which we are sending our police officers. You know, we, we want to get away from sending police officers automatically to go out to, to respond to a squirrel in the tree, you know, because there are some folks who will do that. They'll tell you to call the police. And so we've got to, they're going to reprioritize, but I can tell you, He's been doing a good job, I believe, with, with dealing with some of these drug attacks, drug houses, and drug operations have been very, very much at the top of his list. So uh, we're going to continue, uh, and also I will mention this, uh, it's going to take the police and the community working together. Right. There's no way in the world they can do, solve everything by themselves. And before we get callers, I also want to let callers know, one of the things that hurt us, and I, I can speak definitely in District 4, is that sometimes you have individuals who, who are involved in a violent act. Let's say, for example, you have two individuals, and they, uh, one individual has been shot, and the other person takes them to the hospital, then all of a sudden when the police come, nobody wants to give information. Right. And so that hurts the investigation. See something, say nothing. Right, right, yeah. right. And so you, you put them off with an investigation with very little information, and so these numbers and behaviors continue to rise, and they affect, it's a domino effect, because it affects us in terms of quality of life, Folks talk about, well, we want economic development. Well, if you multiply those situations, it, it hurts us. No new business wants to come to a community right. that embraces uh, violence so, through, through non-participation. Right. So who, who do we have on the line, Pierre? So we have uh, two people. First, Gerald is with us. So, Good morning, Gerald. So we have uh, two people. First, Gerald is with us. Uh, Gerald, uh Turn your radio down oh. and listen at the telephone. Okay. Yes, I am. Thank you. Good morning to you all. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, God bless uh, everyone. Um, let me say this. I'm not originally from Dallas. I'm from East Texas. I moved here and come here as a kid. Let me tell you, I've been in every state in this country. That was one of my goals as a kid, and I reached that seven years ago. Dallas is a powerful city. It's still a respectful city, not just because of the Cowboys. It's economical. It is, it's, it's, it's a lot of opportunity here in Dallas. And people look up to Dallas. But the people here in Dallas, we got to recognize that and put forth great effort more than what we're doing. I'm talking about us, us regular folks. We ain't got to be rich to get things done. Dallas, why do you think all the singers and everybody come here to Dallas and leave with a bag of money? The president from the one that, well, I don't even call him a president, but every president and every, every politician come here, they leave with a bag of money. Well, Dallas is highly recognized. Well, Gerald, you mentioned and one thing, eh? Gerald, Gerald. You mentioned one thing. You say they leave with a bag of money. We need somebody to stay here with a bag of money. That's what I'm saying. They know that, but they coming in, but they coming in buying up things now and staying where they at. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. They coming in, but they they staying where they at and they taking their money with them and they taking our money and and making things go up as well. New York. If anybody ever been to New York, what we paying the prices on housing that going up now, what it's still nothing to them. They paying for what we consider as a, as a, a, a dilapidated apartment. 
they paying twelve, fifteen hundred dollars just for a, 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 a closet size room. The homeless. Let me get on this. In nineteen ninety nine, I asked my brother. He's older, ten years older. I said, you know, I want to build a shelter and uh, do for the homeless and all that. My brother said this. He said they don't want to do. They don't want to be in no shelter. But what you can do, what they looking for, is food and place to take a shower. I got on the bus, went downtown Dallas, got on Main Street. I was walking, just going. I said, Lord, let me. Uh, I didn't want to talk to somebody. These folks on somebody on the street. A man came toward my way. I didn't know that he was homeless. He looked like he was a businessman. And I asked him the same thing. You know what he told me? The exact same thing that my brother told me. The homeless. Yeah, they all. You got to have a mental problem to want to live that way. But some things people do and cause for themselves. The homeless situation can really be bizarre. I believe if the city, the city council get up and make an uh, 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 ordinance. I think I read, I wasn't, I've been in Laredo and all that for the last week, but I think I read that they coming to, that they're going to build a place for them and demand that they go. I'm not saying that they they, um, they uh, demanding that the people go. I say demand that they go. You don't have to be like that. They don't have to live like that, and it's definitely a nuisance to this city. All right. They living everywhere and, and and don't care. Thanks for taking my call. All right. So are we up against a short break. Uh, call on the line. Wait, I get right back to you as soon as we get back. All right, we're back on Church Information in Open Form. I'm Eichstein, your host, and I have two lovely ladies with me this morning. One of them is school board trustee, Miss Joyce Foreman. The other is the queen of Glen Heights, Miss Carolyn Arnold, city council not, district. Not Glen Heights, now, come on. I mean, Glen, Glen Oaks. Oaks. We got that Oaks. Glen Oaks. Glen Oaks. <laughs> anyway, we have Tony on the line. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Good morning. Tony. Um, I got three for Ms. Uh, Arnold, Councilwoman Arnold. First is I-B45. It is interesting how white liberals have replaced the white system council, and when they want something done, they don't get it done. It's, it, that, 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 that bridge is coming down, no matter what people say, because they got the money in the clouds. But anyway, the argument that they have made for taking it down was is that it ran through a black community, which is true. Because we know that that 1956 uh, 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 transportation bill, uh, no, it, it was used to destroy black communities, like 10th Street, like Thomason Hall, Deep Ellum. But it, it's interesting how they they playing this. They they using the black community to say, hey, it was unfair. But the quality of life to get rid of it. They stopped Ross West son from getting the bottom of it so they can get it. Hello? Everybody We're listening. We're listening. We got you. Uh-huh. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, now the push is to take it down. Now, if you live in South Dallas or Oak Cliff and you work in North Dallas, guess what? They take that away from you. You're driving there. And I, I've seen all the arguments. 
I've seen all the base owners. But at the end of the day, it's going to hurt black and brown people who who work in the southern side of town, who, no, who work in the north side of town, who live in the southern side of town. That's one point. My second point is the new chief of police. Oh, he's Puerto Rican. That's cool. You know, that, you know that, that, that that's one of them two uh, twofers. But we know he represents the white people in the north side of town. That's what he do. That's why they like him for now. And, you know, it just so happens that he gets a little, what you call it, a honeymoon period. But the crime ain't really down. He gets the same problem he had when Chief Hall was in place. Well, because the media and the white folks on the north side of town like him, and 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 and, 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 and yes, he does do do, do the little community things. He going around in in uh, in uh, short face, but we know that the Dallas Police Association loves him. That's that. And this, this last one is not about uh, Miss uh, Councilman Arnold. This is about uh, the um, the mayor. You know, he got rid of Hall. He's gonna get rid of Bosnick. You can see where he's going. So, I, you know, like at the end of the day, he may have been raised in West Dallas, but he has Green Hill all day. He didn't white folks in all day, every day. And like I say, if he ever runs for anything higher than Dallas City, the city uh, mayor, I would never vote for him. I won't neither. <laughs> I, mean, I agree with you. But let me ask you a question, Tony. I know you're uh, addressing your question to Miss Arnold, but crime rate is up in Dallas last I heard. How much percentage is it up? I, I I don't I don't know but but I I know that and, and part of it let me let me give context to to to, to the to the to the, 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 the crime rate and, and all the shooting we just came out of COVID so now everybody's been open up so everything been open up crime has increased basically basically on that because they you know crime because the argument they gonna make well crime down forty five percent COVID had a lot to do with that but 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 the thing is this no one prepared for it. Stuff open back up, and you 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 trying to uh, prepare and be proactive on it. Everybody just waited, and when it opened up, people start shooting and killing. It's, it's, it's you know it's, it's part of being frustrated, part of it crime, part of it is economic. And like I say, they always going to take care of North Dallas. Period. You know, and and so and, and you know until he figured out how to use that that, that budget he had, that mean our budget that, that everybody's to touch. Because because the white folks don't want to like touching it, and I don't I don't agree with funding. The funding sounds stupid anyway. It's called reappropriating. But you know, a lot of times Democrats or, or liberals use these little plans that don't make sense. But use them that budget and say, you know what? We need some programs, after school programs in Southern Dallas. We need some uh I, I mean uh uh, uh some that that budget to go to the community. And, and, and when he starts talking about that 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 right there and putting real money behind his mouth, not just showing up and getting ice cream, and not just showing up, to, you know, just showing his face, he no different than me. All that he is, he's a white Puerto Rican. Hmm. I'm going to that. Thank you. All right, Miss Honey, you want to address the issues? Uh, just quickly, but what I would like to say, one of the issues that Mr. Tony brought up, uh, it really wasn't an issue with him, and I'll be as brief as I can be, but I do appreciate the fact, uh, and, not, and I'm not trying to sound... Um, pompous or anything like that. But what you did a few minutes ago when you said Carolyn Arnold and Councilwoman Arnold, I appreciated that because what I see so many times, especially with in our communities with our elected officials, 
sometimes, and it's not you, I listen to you often, and I appreciate all of your insight, but we have got to get away with just the way we approach and interact with some of our elected officials. You know, we have people who come and talk, try to, and it comes, it's a condescending matter, and I'm bringing this up right fast because as an African-American woman, I get it. You know, yes, my name is Carolyn King Arnold, but there is a time and place to call me Carolyn. There's a time and a place to call Ms. Council, uh, Trustee Foreman Joyce. It's about respect, and I get we get a lot of that uh, uh, when we're out in the public. And I appreciate the fact, and it, and we just need to have the respect of the position when we are in certain um, situations. And uh, what happens to me oftentimes, as I said, it's not so much that it is. Uh, uh, the fact that, that I, I have this title and, and I have the big head is the fact of respect when they're talking to us, especially sometimes in public, and you want to say, Carolyn, that, that, that's, that's not the time to do that. So I appreciate that, and, and we're going to continue to push that out, just respect of the positions that we hold. It, it requires some res respect. Uh, now, in terms of, of, of the 45, I, I think politically that's a decision that you're, you're right, probably down the road is going to come just to, to that right now. I hear the, the, the uh, argument behind 45 is that if it goes down the middle, uh, if we take it down, I'm sorry, it's going to bring neighborhoods together. And, and we've got to have a, a long-term discussion with a, a lot of that because you can have that same argument with every major freeway. Uh, bringing communities together, but what you end up with, I think, sometimes is displacement, and then you're back to gentrification again. So uh, it, it's all about who's watching the next move, and that is, I know it's another council district, but it's something we need to stay woke on. Uh, just overall, in terms of where I am with the police, I know that uh, we, we went through this, this exercise last year with the budget of addressing the issue of reprogramming money, some $7 million. And, and under, the, uh, under the guidance, I should say, of City Manager T.C. Broadnecks with the real program in terms of real change responding to social justice, you're still going to see some redirect and reprogramming probably of some funds that will go to some of these programs that you're speaking about. But it's going to take... Uh, a careful eye and a support of the council to continue to support our city manager because right now he's being pushed into a political position and his position is not political, so to speak. I continue to encourage people to, and, and those new members around the horseshoe, the new council members, read the charter. The charter authorizes and identifies the city manager as that one individual who manages day-to-day -day operations of this city. He makes those fiscal calls. He makes the decisions about who to hire and who to fire. Council hires the city manager. The mayor, through the charter, has one primary role, and that's to preside over the council meetings. The mayor does not hire or fire employees. The mayor does not manage day-to-day -day operations. And so it's not nothing political about that. It's just a fact. It's laid out in the charter. But we must stay woke on that as folks try to politicize that position. Mr. T.C. Broadnax is the individual who is going to be responsible for crafting a budget. We're going to look at that budget, and that's his job, to present it to the council. We'll make uh, suggestions and alternative proposals. But at the end of the day, that is his job, to craft a budget for this city. And we know that public safety is one of the largest expenditures that we have. But at the end of this conversation today, we still have the challenge 
of crime, same pretty much as you talked about with, with Chief Hall. She faced the same right. same challenge. But you will look at nationwide, you see increase in crime. Thirty percent, I think. It but is. what you have now is a two a different a different attitude, whereas. Chief Hall th- coming through City Hall was pretty much chastised and beat down, and I and I felt like it was a double standard and run out. <laughs> as a woman. But I will tell you, I'm, I'm willing to work as I was committed working with Chief Hall. I'm going to work also with Chief Garcia, and I'm going to make sure and that we are at the top of the uh, of the ladder when it comes to getting the services that we need. Now, Wednesday, I'm going to, to host, if you will, a press conference at City Hall along with Chief Garcia and members of the Dallas Police Department to address the season of the fireworks and, the you know, the, the holiday season because that's where I get most of our calls from, from seniors who are devastated, petrified every time we get to this part of the of the year. So we're going to uh, see some, uh, hear some announcements on different strategies that we're going to use. But at the end of the day, we still have to work with the police department. We still have crime in this city, and we still have a ways to go in terms of suppressing. And if we want to suppress something, we need to suppress the crime as opposed to having the governor, even on that state level, to help suppress crime as opposed to suppressing the vote. Right. So I did want to make sure I did throw that in. And thank you, Mr. Tony, for, for your uh, all your intellect and your inter- in, in, uh, your insight, and I appreciate it every time I hear you here on uh, KNON, and I'm sure the public appreciates it as well. Well, you can join this conversation at 972-647-1893. Uh, Ms. Arnold, you was talking about reallocating funds. It's not defunding the police, right. but it's reallocating funds uh Kind of, uh, I need your opinion or your explanation on uh, the governor want to build this, finish this wall. He want to reallocate uh, $250 million from the criminal justice department uh, to build a, a, a wall. Now, but he promised that he was going to defund any city that uh, reallocated money from the police department. Uh, and start spending it elsewhere, like on projects in the community. Uh, what's the difference? Well, that's a good question, and, and we probably need to try to get the, the governor on the telephone. Because when you look at it, he, is, uh, he has taken a position as it relates to police and support for uh, the, that public safety unit. But at the end of the day, more of his emphasis is to me, and this is me talking, He's empowering uh, individuals who, who, who pretty much uh, have lives of crime or involved with crime. Because when you get to the point where you want everybody to be able to have a gun, that's my interpretation of right. it. Uh, you, you're taking away the need for a permit. You're making it easier to walk around with uh, shotguns and other weapons of, 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 of destruction, is what you're I refer to. You're endangering the police department. Right. And yeah. so you're creating additional jobs for uh, the police. But the bottom line is this. What, he needs to look at what he's doing, and if there are other things I think the gov- steps that the governor can take to help us on this level. So if it, it's about supporting the police, if that's his position, p- supporting public safety, there are better ways to do it as opposed to now creating another problem here. You're talking about taking good taxpayers' dollars to build a wall. Right. So that's why I said if you're going to suppress something, suppress, help us to suppress crime, help us to suppress those environments that create 
or give birth to these these uh, unhealthy behaviors as opposed to suppressing our civil rights. And that's what's going on right now. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, George Foreman, Trustee Foreman, yeah. uh, this new gun law, what are they going to do to the schools and teachers and stuff? Will teachers be able to bring guns and they're not trained? Uh, so, so my understanding is that teachers will not be able to bring guns and people will not be able to enter the school buildings uh, with guns. Uh, and uh, I just think that first and foremost is that the governor is way off in his uh, thoughts that everybody should be able to carry a gun. Uh, we see so much crime, so many murders. We see um, things happening on a daily basis throughout the city and the state uh, that says clearly that that is not a, a good idea. But the governor is off on a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. when, when you want to take money from the prison system for a while, but you don't want to make sure uh, that there's air conditioning in right. the prison systems, right. that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, and um, unfortunately, uh, we have these people that's leading uh, the state and the country uh, that are, their ideas and thoughts are not one that I think is um, productive. And, and it does not uh, give us an opportunity to really get our, our, uh, our city and state together, even the governor uh, not wanting to or wanting to make sure that we don't teach about race right. uh, in the school system. Uh, that is, to me, that is just absolutely insane. Uh, if, if we don't know our history and if we're not able to celebrate all of our histories, uh, we're never going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you uh, uh, brought that up. Ms. Arnold, you are a retired teacher, and Ms. Foreman, you are in education. So in the past, in our public schools, have we really been taught history or have we just been taught their version of the history? So, so in some cases, yes, we have been taught history. It's been dependent on the school and on the teacher. That's right. Uh, so, yes, in some cases. Well, but has it been standardized? Right, right. No. no. Well, let me ask you another question. You advocated, you fought hard, uh, you, uh, Mr. Leslie Williams, y'all all went to Austin, with, I forget the other lady name, and advocated for African-American history. Then, after the victory, then, blam, this comes up. Well, we don't want this talk, that talk, and that talk. Mm-hmm. But let me uh, let me get you some My lines are getting filled. Me, who do we have next, uh, Pierre? Because I had an answer for that. I got you. <laughs> so we have a few listeners, and the first one is Joe. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, thanks both for our leadership in both categories. Thank you. You mentioned uh, you mentioned something about <clears throat> firearms uh, that the governor's doing, and this is directed to uh, Councilwoman Carolyn King Arnold. And what the city will be able to do, uh, this is what I'm wondering. We were down in Austin last week. Uh, protesting at the Capitol and we did see militiamen I want to call them militiamen they mm-hmm. weren't uh, law enforcement officers and they were pointed out to me uh, by people down there 
And it was kind of an alarming sight. Now, if the same thing happened up here, and you've got five or six blacks that are carrying those AK-47s like we saw the white store down there, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Will they be able to walk freely like those uh, white armed men did? I mean, it's going to be a license for the police to kill again mm. on us. How is the city going to combat that? Or how are they going to uh, take care of that? I'll let you comment on that. And thank God for both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, until it happens, you know, I really don't have a def- definitive answer, but it is very troubling, very troubling uh, to see those uh, images. I know you call them militiamen. I call them vigilantes. Uh, and that's my position uh, here as I speak. But I can tell you, and I'm going to go back to the crux of all of this. Miss Owen. Yes, sir. Uh, a quick Hold quick that break. thought till we come on break. All right. I want the caller right to back. stay on the line, and we'll be right back with you. We're going to pick up where we left off. Thank you. All right, we're back on Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Ike Steen, your host with my guest, school board trustee of District 6, Miss Joyce Foreman and Miss Carolyn Orland, which is the city council of District 4. Uh, Miss Orland, I want you to finish where you Thank left you. off. Well, really, uh, I think it was Mr. Joe. Right. My response to, to so much is, is basics. Uh and going back quickly to what may happen, I, I would just jump on this okay. uh, concept real fast. I heard a reporter talk about the George Floyd murder, and what happened was the difference is that the cell phone made a difference in that case. Right. Had it not been for those cell phone images, we may be in a totally different place, maybe a totally different place today. But, I, but, but going back to this state, going back to the nation, we still have not fully grasp the power of our voice and our right to vote. And as we talk about the governor in this state disrespecting us as citizens, disrespecting our rights, basic rights, now not only did he he's out to voter suppression, now he took a position to say, look, I'm going to stop your pay. Mm-hmm. You know, how brazen and bold and disrespectful is that? But he's going to keep on until... We stand up at that voting booth and vote him out of that position. Oh, and we- anyone who is, is in that position, in a position such as that, that disrespects the will and the rights of people, it's the four-letter word, V-O-T-E. Right. And we're going to have to start voting. we got a call on the line. I don't want to keep him waiting too long. I got you. Who we do we have? This is Toral. Excuse me, who? who? Toral. Charles. 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 All right, Charles. Oh, Charles. Okay. Charles, you on there. And good morning, hey, hey. and thank you for calling. Good morning. Good morning. I, and I appreciate everything that all three of you guys do for our community. I've got one thing. I, I want to know where my uh, Senator Ross West is at. He's been very quiet when the, our governor has come across with these with these items. Uh, we have no fight from Austin at all. There's no one giving any type of... Uh, resistance to our governor. Where is that at? Uh, where's my Senator Ross West at? 
Well, you better let me answer that because we got two elected officials, but I am not an elected official, and inquiring minds want to know, what is Mr. West, you know? and I want to know. I want to know why we can't find out why he didn't support MJ Hager. I'm not saying you know, he should have supported, but I want to know the explanation. So, Well, I'm going to give you my two cents. I'm not a politician, okay? He, he jumped behind Corning, and that's why Corning went back and took that Juneteenth holiday and made it a federal holiday. And that's all I have to say. Corning made it a holiday, or did Biden do it? Corning. Corning. No, Corning pushed it from Texas. Right. And I'm saying, if you sit back and, you sit back and watch how politics works, I'm telling you, when he bagged Cornyn, he owed Cornyn a favor. Cornyn owed him a favor. And that's why he took that national holiday to Austin and pushed it with his Republican buddy. That's right. all I have to say. Well, thank, I, you guys. Well, thank you for your call. I don't know if he owed Cornyn a favor, but I think they owe us two years back pay for slavery. <laughs> so. But let me, let me just jump in here quickly on all elected officials. There is a way, even right now in Austin, where you can go online uh, to monitor some of the actions that, that representatives have taken. Uh, this is a different system right now because they are dealing somewhat in that COVID in, uh, protection environment. But I can tell you there is a way to monitor what we all do. You know, for example, uh, and I'm sure the state has it where you can go online to watch real-time uh, discussions. You can do the same thing with uh, school board. You can do the same thing with the city of Dallas. But regardless of the statement that I just made, I still stand strong on the premise that much of what we become frustrated with can be addressed through the vote, the power of voting, especially when it comes to voter suppression, especially when it comes to social justice. And so when we talk about no justice, no peace, but when we talk about registering people to vote, and I've had people to tell me this, it's against my religion. I had one woman tell me she was exempt from voting. She's 72 years old. I don't want to serve on the jury. You must be, we must begin to start serving on grand juries to affect a social justice. And they don't, we don't want to register to vote. So I, I, don't, I don't want to get too far gone here, but much of what we're complaining about can be right. addressed. Well, they understand yeah. The people that's watching these voter suppression bills, they understand the power of the vote. We have to learn to understand. If the voting, if your people tell me, well, it don't make no difference whether I vote or not, they're going to do what they want. If it didn't make a difference, they wouldn't be trying to stop you from voting. Mm -hmm. It does make a difference. And uh, when it comes down to holding your uh, elected official accountable, you got to be wise. And you got to, as we talked about earlier, you got to respect them. But you can also hold them accountable. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is the thing. You got to be wise because a lot of times when you hold them accountable, which my mic went down. I oh, know you're you're in there. Right. I can't I can't hear anymore. Right. That's better. Well, a lot of times when you hold them accountable, then they come at you with uh, you just hating. Uh, you just trying to uh, be a troublemaker. Well, be a troublemaker if that's what it takes. These two ladies I'm talking to here to, uh, on this show is two of the biggest troublemakers in Dallas. Yeah, it's good trouble. I don't know if it's good trouble. Yeah, it's it's trouble. trouble. We don't mind it's, getting well, good that's trouble. What it's, it's double, it's, it's, it's trouble. It's double trouble. <laughs> uh, 
they disrespected uh, uh, Mr. Arnold and Miss Foreman so much on social media. Uh, they was calling Miss Foreman liars and all that stuff, and saying that Miss Arnold put a brewery store up on Beckley and uh, Overton. All that was a lie. Yeah, but yeah, it was a lie. A lie. But yeah. we made it through. It was it was hard, and they fought, and I respect them. That's why I love having them on this show because they believe in speaking to you, the voice of the people. They don't dodge your questions. They, you can call in and ask questions, and you can join this conversation at 972-647-1893. And we were talking about history a while ago. Mm-hmm. I want Miss Arnold, to, I mean, not Miss Arnold, Miss Foreman, to do some more talking about history because they don't want you to know who you are, where you come from, your potential, your greatness, we are a great people. Take over, Ms. Foreman. Well, one of the th- thank you, and I, I do agree we are a great people. Uh, one of the things we were talking about was if, in fact, um, they were teaching history right. in the schools. And, and uh, again, I reiterate, it's based on the school, based on the teachers. Uh, but there's no mandate uh, right. for that. Um, the... The equity department pushed through an African-American studies program that mirrored the uh, Hispanic studies program. Uh, Now that will be uh, in jeopardy based on the new bill that is passed down in Austin. Well, I personally have had conversations, and Dr. Hinojosa has had conversations with the board members in regards to if we are willing to fight that uh, uh, legally. And I am willing to fight. Mm-hmm. I am willing Let's to go, go to all the way to the Supreme Court to fight the right to teach these children who they are. Because a lot of misinformation has been spread to other people who believe things about one one particular race. And that's why we so hard right. on each other, because we really don't know who we are. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a call on the line. Uh, we got three. Well, Pierre are busy right now. Who do we have, Pierre? All right, so we have Bob. Bob. Good morning. Is it Bob? I don't want to mess it up. Yes, good morning. Yes. Good morning, good Bob. You on air? Yes, I have three things for you, Council Lady Elder. Thank you. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You on air? Yes, good morning, Council Lady Elder. I have three things for you this morning. I noticed uh, COVID 19 is over, and I'm trying to figure out why I have. The staff at City Hall have not reported back to work at 80% of the capacity. It's so hard to get through or talk to anybody at City Hall. Number two, why uh, sanitation is so far behind on this bulky and trash uh, pickup. And you guys have got people here. Have anybody in visit sanitation? Your intern, director over here. It seems like you guys are trying to do, uh, he's trying to go privatize with sanitation. What's going on? Okay, thank you. I, I was writing your third question. But what I will say is that we are not free from COVID, uh, uh, really, and we're still having to stay on guard. I, we're slowly rolling uh, back, uh, and, and we will probably, based on the assessments of of the city manager along with the uh, health officials, uh, make that determination about returning uh, in different stages probably in, in August and thereafter. I will say that it, this has been a uh, 
tough journey because we have employees, and we had employees with in all aspects, recreation, sanitation, police department. Uh, you had individuals who had to make decisions about their job as well during this COVID season, just, you know, how uh, exposed they wanted to be in terms of, you know, being around people and being out dur- during the height of the uh, of the uh, disease. And so we did we did suffer some some cutbacks and, and some downturns in, just in service delivery. We are now trying to reboot and come back to some level of normalcy, but what has hurt us also is that we've had some natural disasters to also add to the bulk pickup and the trash. I think we either had a, a, a tornado or some high winds. We're letting froze today. Well, in addition to that, but we've also had, I believe, some, some, some more uh, destruction because of high winds, and so you have all the fallen trees and other debris that has come about because of the natural disasters. But we are committed to elevating services now. Uh, we are looking at, I think the city, I know the city manager is now moving more aggressively to, uh, I guess, contract out some of the services so these services can be expedited so that our community does not uh, exist in what I call a, a trash or a landfill. But uh, I, this is what yeah. it's getting like. I don't know if you visited the sanitation budget in the last three years, but in the last three years, I mean, I'm aware of the storms and no freeze and all mm-hmm. of that. But these contractors have been in the city of Dallas over the last three years. I mean, we haven't had no storms to that magnitude. And we're talking about the budget, you know, I'm right. not understanding. Well, well, you know, we were hit quite hard in the northern part of this city during that major uh, uh, tornado that hit. I think yeah, it was almost we two were, years ago. That was major. Right. So what? Right. But it does take time. I, I understand that. And then to be to be hit again uh, by not, another natural disaster. But I am not making excuses. But I will tell you, just in terms of getting back to normalcy, there were individuals who had to make some decisions because it, their engagement on the front lines also affected their families. But we are, are going to go. Yeah. I know you got other yeah. calls. I got one other thing. Yes, sir. Have you and any other council members been out to any of your five districts that talk to employees that's doing the work? Not your, you're not your directors, your assistant directors. I understand right now you guys got interim directors, interim assistant mm-hmm. directors at sanitation. But have you guys as council, men and women, have went out and talked to the workers that's doing the job and get all those big big wigs out of, out, of, out of the meeting and just talk to the individual employees that's doing the job. I can only speak for myself, and I can tell you that I, I do talk on one-to-one on our uh, employees, to our employees, and especially as it relates to cold, especially as it relates to sanitation. And so I can't speak for myself because I think it's yeah, very no, important. I'm saying it's yeah. a group study, not one-on-one, yeah. but as a right. group study okay. with your employees in sanitation. Because a lot of those people, guys and women over there, are frustrated. Oh, you said group. Okay. Okay. Oh, you're talking about a group. Right. No, no, yeah. not in a group. Excuse me, yeah, excuse me, right. excuse me Bob. That's city manager. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. guys might want to visit that and go talk to those employees because a lot of those guys and women are frustrated in sanitation. Right, right. So I understand what you're saying, but I, I got other callers, and Thank I appreciate your concern, and this. She's writing stuff down, and we can get on. Let me get to some of these other calls before break. Thank you. Uh, who Thank do we you. have next, Pierre? We have another Bubba. Oh, Bubba is yes. with us. I, I'm anonymous. Oh, no, sorry. Oh. <laughs> anonymous call, sorry. Bubba will be, be just after her. Right. Okay, go ahead. Who, who do we have? Anonymous. anonymous. Anonymous, yes. Go ahead, Miss Anonymous. You're on air. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. 
I received uh, a vote by mail ballot at my resident work, which I normally do all the time. And I received that the latter part of April. And I voted and mailed it back in. Then I received one at my P.O. box for the first time. And I've had the box since 97. Yes. For another vote by mail ballot. A lot of the seniors that are not aware of getting double ballots like that, they're re-voting, and this is could be causing a problem to the county. So did you report that to the county? Yes, I did. Okay, very good, because that, that is a county issue, uh, and I think when situations like that happen, it needs to be reported immediately. Uh, so that they can go in and maybe uh, readjust the way they're doing things or their system. Right. Well, I'd like to say, I've had the box since 97, and yes. I've never received a vote-by-mail ballot. Yes. So remember, remember age now, age. Right. remember you do have a new uh, county elections right. person. And so... So some, they sent me two, two vote-by-mail ballots, and I knew I had already voted for right. Ms. Arnold. All right. Oh, thank and, you for uh, the vote. <laughs> but uh, yes. let me ask you a question. Didn't, didn't, don't they send you a application that you had to fill out to they get a vote by mail? Application for vote by mail. Did they and send vote? Did they send one to your post box and your mailbox? And they sent one to my mailbox. Okay, that's what my question is. Okay, well, thank you for your call, ma'am. And yes, that is a county issue, but we thank you for. Making us alert, and you, I'm glad you was on your P's and Q's and only voted once because it's illegal to vote twice. And thank you for your call. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So who do we have next, uh, Pierre? So now we should have Bob. We got Bob again? Yeah, another Bob. Another Bob. Yeah. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? All right. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. I just got a couple questions that's been bugging me for a long time. And one of them is, you know, they talk about voter suppression. Well, I don't understand voter suppression to the simple fact that if we done as much for voter suppression as we've done to get people vaccinated, where would there be voter suppression? Well, I'm just going to speak to you as an experience. When you've been suppressed, you know what suppression looked like. But when you haven't been, so you don't know what it looked like. Hello? Yeah, I'm not quite following you on that. I I mean, I'm not understanding the comparison that you're doing with the COVID-19 vaccination with voter suppression. Well, I'll tell you, the, the difference is you have so many Democrats that are working so hard and so diligently to make sure that everybody gets vaccinated. But you don't have the same people working so diligently to get people registered to vote, to get people voter IDs. You know, voter ID is, you need to have an ID to cash checks. You need to have an ID to present to buy alcohol. You need to have an ID to cash your checks for welfare and and EPTs. But yet, they don't want to have an ID card to be able to vote. Well, your driver's license is an ID card, sir. Absolutely. But now let me ask you a question. What do you do when you live way back, you live way back in one of these little small towns, 
and the nearest driver's license place is 50 miles, and it's time to vote. And you get there, and the governor, and the governor in the state of Texas is shutting down uh, driver's license place. You got to go online, and some of these people in these remote areas don't have access to internet. So, what do you do for those people? How do they get to the vote? Do they just not vote? Well, let me ask you the same question. How do those same people cash welfare checks, cash their paychecks, cash, you know, go to the store and, and with their EBT cards? And all, how, do, how do they do that if they don't have some form of ID? Well, if you got a direct deposit, which is kind of mandatory on a lot of government checks, you don't need an ID. But it's not, but it's not on everything. And you do need an ID, according to the state. And why we always got to talk about welfare? How come people can't have paychecks? Why is it always got to be welfare checks? I mean, everybody ain't on welfare. Any check, any check, you have to be able to present an ID so the bank or whoever knows who you are to cash that check. So I, I, it seems like you're having a problem with voter suppression, and you don't understand. I guess I, I do. I do have a problem with it because I don't see it. Well, you don't live it. I live it. I'm black. I see voter suppression. I see racism. Now you're putting race into it. Well, you know what, sir? I would love to continue this argument, but we're up against a short break, and you're welcome to call back. That's what I thought. Thank you. What's 8 (laughs) o'clock? Yo, what's up? All right, we're back on Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Ike Steen, your host. I'm sitting in for Reverend Barnett. Uh, and you can join Reverend Barnett at 930 in the morning at uh, Heavenly Joy Church on Facebook at Miriam Barnett Sr. on Facebook. Uh, we're talking about voter suppression and uh so uh, ironic that uh, we just had a <laughs> right. <Very laughs> we just heard a breakdown about voter suppression, <clears throat> and you can't even get a drink of water while you waiting on right. voting. Right. Can't nobody right. give you a drink of water? Right. But voter suppression is real, and uh, don't let nobody uh, uh, you know try to tangle you up with this other stuff and trying to compare voter suppression with the COVID nineteen shot. Because I I remember when they first came out with the shot at Fair Park. It was a bunch of confusion when people went out there to, to get vaccinated, and they couldn't. But you had people driving from North Dallas all down in Rockwall and everywhere mm-hmm. coming right in and can get the shot. And people live right in South Dallas two couldn't, blocks away couldn't get the shot. Right, right, right. So you can't compare that. I mean, you can, you can talk about shot suppression then because we got a lot of problems going right. on in our community. And, uh, Mr. Only, you wanted to... Uh, well, actually, and you know what, that, that, that particular commentary was right on time. And even as he talked about the church, you know, we always say, you know, he's always, he's, he's always on time. And I think that was a, the right time for the message to come in about the church. Because, you know, we, as we continue to witness what's going on on a day-to-day basis, you know, it's, this is the time for us, the church, to be strengthened in terms of its role and the message that, that, that needs to be given as, as we deal with some of these acts against humanity. But I will say this, if we want to talk about the, the beginnings of a, this aggressive voter suppression uh, move, we just have to go back to January the 6th, 2020, you know, when you had a party to sit down to embrace publicly 
embrace the insurrection against this country and and approve it with the seal that is okay to be terrorists right here in the United States of America. That's when you begin to see more aggressively. Right. What's her name? Miss Abrams? Tracy Abrams. Tracy Abrams. You know, more aggressively to stop the the move to empower the voters. The stronger you get. The stronger you get. But for us to sit here and allow, and we're not as aggressive as we need to be with our voice, our votes should ring out, especially every election, because we witness an insurrection against this government supported by elected officials. And they were not malicious, the like the guy Party. said earlier. Right. Uh, go ahead, Ms. Foreman, because we got a call so on the line, but just, go ahead. Just real quick, uh, when people talk about voter suppression and how it's not happening, voter suppression is not new. Right. You remember the poll tax? Right. Right. You well, remember I don't the voting, re- I don't voting really rights remember, bill? Yeah, yeah, you don't really remember. You don't remember. I heard about it. No, okay, no, guys. Uh-uh. We all know about it. We all know about it. Don't even play. But, but, but it's not new. Right. This is just a repeat of history. Right. And we have to understand that it has always been a force to try to keep people from voting. Right. And, and they give us misinformation to try to force us to believe their way. Right. So we got some callers on the line. Hold on just a minute. Who do we have, uh, Pierre? We have a uh, Leon. Leon. Good morning, Good morning, Leon. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good, Good morning, morning, Leon. Yes, uh, a couple of things on, on your voter suppression uh, topic. First of all, uh, after an African American was elected president. That just raised the profile for yes. the opposite side to try to do something right. to prevent this from happening. I agree. It's uh, they're, they're they're losing their ability to control the culture in the country because uh, people of color and other people now have one man one vote, so they change the, the political landscape and it's threatened the power of the uh, status quo. So. These voter suppression efforts, or re-efforts, as Ms. Uh, Foreman so appropriately put it, uh, are designed to keep people from voting in people that the right side, uh, the conservative side, whatever you want to call it, uh, don't want to have in. They want to maintain their power control. Uh, now, when you talk about defunding the police, this is a mischaracterization of something that really should have been uh, restated, re, uh, reasserted with using different terminology. Yeah. Well, but Leon, right hold on for a second. I hate to take you off the road, but uh, right here on this show, Reverend Barnett said that. He said we need to watch how we say defund the police. And I think he got into a pretty heated argument with Casey Thomas about that. Because when you start talking about defunding the police, it throws people off. It's not instead of reallocating funds. I, I just wanted to throw that in there. So go ahead. That's quite. That's quite all right. I, you, 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 me, and you're on the same page. Uh, what that, what they're trying to, what they should be characterizing it at, as is some funding. Uh, the funding that's used to buy the, the armored cars and the tanks and stuff that they used on people who are protesting. 
some of that funding, uh, as an example, should be used to uh, bring in mental health experts, uh, substance abuse experts, who can first be dispatched to address some of these calls that are mental health and substance abuse uh, related before law enforcement comes in to intervene because they have training and they can de-escalate the situation. That's what they mean. And this is what needs to be happening. For instance, the gentleman who was killed in the jail in, in uh, what county, whatever county that was, uh, and last week they didn't do anything to the jailers. Well, he was having a mental health crisis. So they should have been dealing with him from that perspective as opposed to him being a criminal. Had that happened, perhaps he would be alive today. So that's what that means by defund police. And it's mischaracterized by the right side because they want to maintain this uh, this negative uh, image of Black Lives Matter, of civil rights, of voting rights. They want to maintain that image so they can use that to maintain their power. You feel me? I hear you. So uh, that's what I wanted to say uh, because... Um, as as we move forward forward toward the next election, and they're going to start gerrymandering these districts to make sure that uh, the Republicans get control of the House and the Senate. We're going to have to be careful with that because that's the next objective. Right. This 2022 election. Right. So that's 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 what I wanted to say. And we'll have to get out and voting. Thank you for that call, Leon. And uh, who do we have next? Uh. We have uh, Beverly. Good morning, Beverly. How you doing this morning, all of you? Good morning. Good morning. Now, this is what I feel on the the police department. I think they need to be reformed, not defunded. They They need to change the whole thing and reform them. Am I kind of on the right thing? I understand what you're saying. They need to reform this stuff. It's unreal. These people and the guns, I have a problem with that, too. I have a problem with that. We're in the wild, wild west, y'all. And I'm using wrong English, but that's the way I <laughs> Well, you, you good. I got a, I got a teacher here at Radway. No, you mean all is a teacher, retired teacher. You know, but that goes back to my the first premise. It's been empowered and expanded through the actions. And I'm going to start off with the governor. He continues to, to enhance that whole uh, atmosphere, and that's me talking, with the steps he's taken. Now, with the police department, I will say this, and I stand on this. No city can exist without a police department. Exactly. All right, but number two, can we begin to reexamine some of the programs and add additional programming so that we now have individuals who are more in tune with, let's say, sensitivity, you know, different cultures, right. most definitely. But what, right. we, but what we cannot afford to do is we cannot have police coming to a scene, a crime scene, where you have AKA-47s and some other terminology that I don't have experience on, and we're here with a cap gun. Right. Yeah. And we yeah, just cannot right. have that. Right. And so when, when what we hear is we talk about cutting police and, 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 and trying to take guns out of their hands or what the, the, the tools That's that they no, need. No. But when your family, when you lose a family member, you want 
the police to do everything possible to find that individual who took the life of your loved right. one. And so yeah. that's a sensitive area when we talk about it. But I will tell you just basically on that premise, Dallas and no other city in this country can exist without a public safety infrastructure because you would have anarchy. Well, I think the problem is we, our biggest problem is not the police. It's the police unions. These unions now, they try to get rid of the Teamsters and all the other freight line unions and and, and, uh, auto worker unions, but nobody is challenging the police unions. And I think the police unions, are, are, are they becoming so... Uh, strong, and they uh, have the funds, and uh, uh, and they protect more criminals than anybody else do because they got so many criminals within the force, and exactly. it's hard to purge these bad cops off the police department when you got these unions that with all these in- unlimited funds coming in and protecting them. But I thank exactly. you for your call, baby. I got another call on the line. Okay, and have a good one, you you too, and God All bless. Right, take care. Uh, who do we have? So we had a call, but uh, I think I think that the listener hung up the phone. Okay. Well, encourage him. We'll, so you can call back. back. If you got something to say, we want to hear it. But uh, we are... Yeah. Uh, uh, and just be patient. <laughs> it's important right. you to stay to stay uh, with us. You know when you're waiting for to be on the air. Right, right. Just be patient because uh, Pierre is new. He's doing a great job. Uh, Thank you. We, <laughs> oh, there he is. He's back. <laughs> and we're gonna wait on him. We're gonna make sure he don't hang up. Exactly. Hi. Hello. How are you? All right. You on the air? Okay. I am. Uh, Claude, and I just wanted to comment on uh, today's subject. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, First of all, let me thank God for the two women you have representing here in the city of Dallas, and uh, I know that they have been charged with uh, certain different conversations saying that they are this and they are that, but what I consider them as is heroes. They are heroes. heroes. They are horses. Yes, sheroes. Thank you. And they are uh, great respect to both of them for doing what they do for us. Uh, speaking out when some of us was too afraid to even yes. speak up. Um, I thank the host that's standing in for Reverend Burnett today. Thank you. We, we need to start appreciating people for what they are. And it doesn't matter whether male or female, you still have a voice. And I thank them for using that voice for the power in other people, which includes myself. And I want them to continue to be encouraged regardless of what people say. I also want them to know there's more people with them than there are against them. Thank God for you. Thank God for this program. Thank All you. right. Thank, thank you. That you was a so great much. call. That huh? was wonderful. That was one of the best ones we had yeah. since we've been here. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> who do we have next, uh, Pierre? We have Bill. Good morning, Bill. Hold on. Good morning, Bill. Bill's gone. Hang in there, Bill. We're trying to get to you. Good morning. Okay. 
Ah, we have someone. <laughs> He's freaking. Hello? Hello? Go to the okay, next. Okay, we, we will take another call. Yeah, go to the next one. All right, we have someone else. Good morning. Who do we have? <laughs> this is Bill. I got hung up on. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, Bill, I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome back, Bill. And thank you for being patient <laughs> with us, Bill. Uh, Pierre is doing a great job. He's trying hard, and he's, and, and I love his spirit. So uh, good morning. Go ahead, Bill. No, yes, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, it's amazing to me that when a caller come, uh, calls in, and the first thing they, they, they you know, they question motor suppression, right? But because it doesn't affect them, right. first of all. And the first thing they turn to is they paint this broad brush of welfare checks and, and, and uh, uh, food stamps or whatever, you know. And, and why, why do you bring that up if it's only just a, a check that, that you need ID to cash or, or whatever? He, you know, it's people like this that are going to come to the 21st century kicking and screaming and hollering and whooping and whatever because they don't want they don't want change they want the status quo but we need to get out the vote time and time and time again and bring these people screaming and kicking right you know even if they don't want to Right. Because it, it's a new world. It's a new world. And they have okay. to move on okay. with it. Right. And I've never been on welfare, and I didn't cash penny a check. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it offends me. It offends me. He, he, he talks to, he come, He calls in, he's been listening. Now, he's right. a regular listener. Right. He's a regular listener. Right. We know, I know how he feels. Right. Okay. Hey, Bill. And, and Bill. Yes, yes. I'm going to hold you over. Because we up against a sharp break. I'm going to hold you over because okay. we hung up on you. You lost some time. So we'll be right back. Right, and you can join this conversation at 972-647-1893. We'll be right back. We're back, and we're going to start back up with Bill, and we got a, quite a few callers on the line. I know some of y'all got two okay, or three things y'all want to say, but well, you got two or three things you want to say, I'm going to ask you to knock it down to two. But go ahead, Bill. Okay, just quickly. I, I just I just take offense every time somebody like that calls, you know, and they paint they paint us with a broad brush right. of always on welfare. You know, I, I'm a minority. I've, I've never been on welfare. You know, I have a good education. I've never been on welfare. You know, so don't don't paint me with that brush. And you use that you use that brush to degrade us and to and, and to degrade a, a, a certain people, you know. And instead of giving thanks that people like this built the country that you uh, afforded, you know that, that that you enjoy now, but you refuse to accept it. And just gonna have to bring get out the vote and bring these people in the 21st century and beyond. All Thank right. You. Thank you, Bill. Thank appreciate you. your patience with us. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Who do we have here? We have Mr. T. All right, Mr. T. Good morning. How you doing? All right. Greetings, greetings. Great program, uh, good subject. Um, I just want to uh, respond to the, uh, about the reforming of the police department and things of that nature. Uh, I'm an ex-police officer. I'm a law enforcement trainer. Uh, that's what I do. 
Um, I, I've been trained and worked under four different police departments. Um, I think people are not understanding the full scope of what law enforcement actually does. Uh, there may be some ignorance there. Um, my phone number nine seven two three five eight six five four six. If anybody has any questions about that, do your number um, out again. Nine seven two three five eight six five four six. Yeah. So I, I train police. I, that's what I do. So I think people need a bigger scope of understanding what they do and how important they are. All right. Let me ask you a question. You still there? Yes, sir. Uh, since you train police officers and you see that there's a, a lot going on with the community and the, and the police department, how, what would you do to bond the community with the police department or bring it together? Well, there's a couple of things that need to be done. I think... What I do is I teach um, law enforcement history from an African perspective. That's the first thing we need to know about. And the second thing is what police officers actually do and what they don't do. So that's what people really need to understand because people have a certain mindset or understanding of what police, what they think police officers do, uh, but it's completely misunderstood because it has been miscommunicated over time. And my goal is to be able to help people to understand exactly what they do and how the community can better help them by understanding exactly what they do. Right. And one more question before I let you go. How do we go about, you know, or how do the police department go about purging its own self, you know, because we got... I mean, the police department is not perfect, the community is not perfect, but how do we get rid of bad police officers? Well, you know, that's, that's, a, uh, that's, a, that's a big, big uh, uh, subject for another time. But what we need to do is to um, educate police officers and their responsibility towards the community. Because remember, police officers are human beings, too. Right, and they got families, they got kids in college, they got mothers, fathers, just like everyone else do. But for us to think that the police officer is human, what brings him down to think that we are human? Since you since you're a trainer, I know you're trained, you're not a psychologist. No, but remember now, police officers once upon a time were not police officers, right? So they were just citizens like everybody else before they went to the training, before they became what they are. So uh, bringing people back to the basics um, for my uh, for this particular answer to that question is the foundation, you know, because remember, uh, you were not a police officer once upon a time. You're not, you know, wearing a hat once right. a time and all these other things. So okay. you have to bring them back to the beginning of the day. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you. We got your number. We might be calling you to further this conversation, but uh, uh, we got a line. For, who do we have next? Very busy. A lot of people are calling, and we have uh, JT. JT. Good morning, JT. Good morning. Thank you for uh, letting me uh, uh, get on the phone. Listen. I have something to say. First, let me let me just say that I was born in this city. Other than the time I was in the military, I've been here all my life. I've been voting since I was 18. The problem with the minority community and with Americans across the board, we don't go vote like we're supposed to. I was looking at the runoff numbers from Pleasant Grove. For people that don't know where Pleasant Grove is, it's over on the east side of Dallas, southeast side. It's a big community. And between the two individuals that are in the runoff, 
they barely had 2,000, and I'm running it off, 2,000 uh, votes between both of them. Now, this community is about 100,000, I'm assuming, 100,000 people that live in Pleasant Grove. It's a big area, and yet we only have 2,000 people to go vote. It doesn't matter if it's a presidential election or it's a city council election. People need to go vote all the time. Right. We have we have third world countries in this world that vote in the 90 percentile, and yet here in the United States, we don't vote anywhere near that. And that's the problem. I have tried. I have I have tried to entice my family, which I'm embarrassed to say. I have tried to entice friends with free breakfast on voting voters day but they won't take me up on it i call them somebody someone get mad at me are you gonna go vote oh why why do i need to go vote that's the problem we have and we it's need to change that attitude about voting and understand the the value of voting and i hate to cut you short jt uh we got a line for i'm, I'm trying to get all my callers well, I understand, and I appreciate you letting me, but, but I want to hear people as to why they don't go vote. That's what I want to hear. Gotcha. I don't want to hear why they I want to hear them. I want to souls to the polls, to the boots polls. to the ground. <laughs> All right. They need to go All vote. right. And, and we'll look, quickly, what I asked them is, did you return that stimulus check? Right. Because <laughs> you don't, don't vote, vote, no I vote, no kept, voice. I bet you they kept that check. Right. I, I bet you Bob that, that <laughs> talking about uh, welfare. I bet he kept his check too. <laughs> so who do we have next? Uh? Thank you, JT. Thank you, JT. Thank you. And we have Dennis. Good morning, Dennis. And forgive me if I sound rude for rushing y'all, but I got a lot of callers and everybody has something to say, and I want them to be able to say it. And it look like we lost all our callers. Y'all call back. Uh, we got a new producer. He's working on it. <laughs> but just call right yeah. back. We're going to get you in. Because the line is very busy. So when it's very busy, it's hard to keep the people on the line right. with us. That's so why. Y'all understand that? When the line get overloaded, it drops everybody off. So all of y'all call back. It's a technical glitch. Right. We're going to move a little faster. We're going to move a little faster. Exactly. So if you got two or three things to say, cut it down to two. One. 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 It's called technical difficulty. My boss said one. I got two bosses, one. and they are bossy. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cut it down to one so we can get them in. I want to hear them. All right. Who do we have Okay, next? we have someone. All right. Thank you. Who do we okay. have? Okay. Hi. Hello. Who do we have? This is James. I don't know if you can hear me clearly. Yes, James from Palestine. Yes, great. Thank you for remembering. I want to say right quick, good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate y'all's sacrifices and continue to press forward. You're servants of the Lord also. You know it. And, and speaking right quick, uh, Ross West, some, some work that he did, I've been pushing down here in Palestine for police reform and all. Is Listen to this. If you can write it down, I'm saying it many times. SB 1074, which is racial profiling prohibition. SB 1074. Look it up. And also during that same year, 2001, Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson, I visited with her at a hate crime rally in Athens, Texas around that time. And she introduced a bill called the Hate Crime Bill, which was around the time of the James Bird, uh, the Bird Bill that's in there also. Those things, if we look those up and hold the police accountable, then we can hold them accountable. Also... If we can get, I apologize for rambling on, but let me say this. We need to check the Civil Service Commission, and that would hold Mike Marler or whatever his name, the unions and all. 
we need to be on the Civil Service Commission. I applied for that here in Palestine, and they put somebody that looked like me in front of me to block me because they knew I was going to hold people accountable. Right. But please, people, get out and vote and get involved and stay involved. And one thing that we pushed down here at a school that was kind of racial, we pushed for cultural sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Put that in there, in the school and in the city council and the police cultural sensitivity training because you it's in their hearts to hurt us because they've been trained to be slaves you know go out and gather the runaway slaves and all and that mindset of that stuff there the police gonna be that way you can't change their hearts you can train them all you want but it's in their hearts and minds and listen at this right quick and i apologize but if you james i got another call in g file a in g file that's why we need people on the civil service commission in the council woman and look into the files and see. They don't want you to look in there, but you can find out the trail of who being hateful and who's not being. All right. I appreciate you letting me ramble on. So much more to share, but thank you for the Thank you. All right. Thank you, James. All right. Uh, Who do we have up here? Good morning. Good morning, brother. I got cut off there. I was over the line. All right. Go ahead. You on there. Yes, sir. This is Professor Quinn over the Black Man University. I said I want to applaud you, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, I listen to uh, Pastor Barnett, uh, and uh, thank you all so much for uh, coming out and standing up for the community and speaking out on the uh, injustices and things that's going on in the community, speaking for the ones that don't talk. Uh, uh, I just want to let you all know next Saturday morning we're having our uh, annual uh, Black Man University prayer breakfast at 3020 Fordham Road. Uh, all churches uh, are invited. Uh, we had over 50 different denominations last year. If you're Methodist, Baptist, Nation of Islam, Jehovah's Witness, or whatever, if you're in the community, you need to come. If you have an organization, come on out. Uh, they're going to be talking about uh, things in the community that, that, that concerns us, and they're also going to be giving solutions. They're not going to just be right. talking. They're going to be giving solutions. We have the concerned citizens of Dallas South, which are doing a lot of great things already and helping uh, getting these young people off the streets and providing right. jobs and dealing with the mental situation. we got to start dealing with this mental yes. thing and also mm-hmm. with the police. With yes. the police situation. Are the police, uh, are there going to be anybody from the police department there speaking? We're inviting everybody. We're right. inviting everybody, all the police, the dark police and, and, and uh, city police, all the police are invited to come right. out and eat breakfast. And, uh, sit, and we're not going to bash nobody. We're not coming right. to turn nobody down. We're coming to bring a light to what we need, the needs all in right. our community. We're going to address right. the needs that's in our community. So right. uh, 3020 Fordham Road. So, Get it. You got a phone number, contact number? Yes, sir. 972-513-513. Five all right, Professor Quinn. I, I I don't want the, the my my callers to get kicked off the line. I'm trying to let you wrap it up. So uh, let me say this: right. I'm not trying to be rude, but uh, 
some of y'all people out there, y'all been to funerals before when the when the preacher say, when I stand up, you sit down. <laughs> you know, because we're trying to get everybody in. We want everybody to have a, a voice. People got their opinion. They're trying to get some stuff in. And uh, we're just trying to be as nice as we can. And sometimes some of y'all are a little long-winded. So uh, who do we have next, Pierre? Okay, we have someone right now. All right. Hi. Good morning. You on there? Good morning. You on there? And turn off the radio in the background. Yeah, turn your radio down and listen at the telephone. Hello. Hello. Yeah, turn your radio down and listen at your telephone. Can you hear me? All right. All right. Who do we have? This Red Mouse. Good morning, Reverend Moss. Yeah, giving respect to uh, Reverend Barnett and his absence. Uh, I just have a few things to say. I want to say good morning to the young ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I want to say y'all doing a good job. Keep doing what you're doing and don't pay no attention to what other folks say. Uh, but let me say this right quick. You know, the police department have had a problem since back in the 1950s, Okay. So I think they need to be re-educated on their uh, on their jobs, on what they what they have to do, you know. And because uh, I remember when I worked for the city, where the sanitation department was making more money than the police department, and that caused the problem, you know. So and then they finally changed that. But let me go back. I'm gonna get off after I say this. The gov the governor have a problem. You know, and what, what is the best way to get rid of a lot of people? Yeah. Put a gun in their hand. This makes the police department more fearful of the public. That'll cause more killing. All right? So if you want to get rid of the governor, Vote. the same way you would get rid of a preacher. <laughs> if a preacher got caught going somewhere he ain't got no business, the members will get rid of the preacher. So why can't the public... Get rid of the government. All right. I want to say thank you for letting me say that. All right. Thank you for your call, and thank y'all for being patient with us. We're trying to get everybody in. Who do we have up here? Corey. Good morning, Corey. Good morning. Did we lose him? I feel like it's here. Uh, uh, call back, Corey. We are. I think we lost you. Yeah, yeah. But y'all be patient with us. We working working the switchboard and trying to get everybody in. Uh, Miss Foreman, let's talk about history a little bit more. Okay. Uh, like I was saying earlier, you fought to get that African American history down there. Then they turned around there and gutted it. So. Uh, but but we're, we're the fight's not over. And, All right. Uh, one of the things that I continue to uh, tell people is. Um, we are constantly going to be in battle for our rights. And so we have to be ready for the long-term fight. We got a lot of uh, short-term people right. coming into right. the fight. They're not there for the long-term. Uh, this is not new, uh, particularly right. for African Americans in this country. We've been fighting ever since we were here. Uh, if you remember, what did Harriet Tubman say? Mm -hmm. If they'd known they were slaves, I could have freed more right. of them. So we, we struggle with um, a fight for justice, 
um, on every front. And uh, I am going to continue to push the uh, Dallas ISD um, to, if we have to go to court to, to fight right. against to not being able to teach history, right. um, because uh, the children uh, of all races need to know history, and they need to know the history of other races uh, to make them more productive and better citizens and learn how to work together. Bob that called in, if he had been in a school... And learn history. Learn history. He wouldn't be making those kinds of references because many African Americans have never been on welfare. And if you look throughout the country, it's more Anglos on welfare than people of color because it's more of them. Right. So that that just doesn't make sense that we don't know that right. kind of history. All right. right. Who do we have on our uh, We will have Corey in a couple of minutes and they will be just after the break. Okay. Because it's almost 8.40. <laughs> you want to go to break first? Yes, uh, have- break first, and and then we will have uh, Corey. All right. Hold on, Corey. We're going to get back to you. Don't don't give up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. We're back on Church Information in Open Form. I'm Ike your host, and sitting in with me this morning is uh, School Board Trustee Joyce Foreman and uh, City Council of District 4. City Councilwoman of District 4, Ms. Carolyn King Ong. And we, you can join this conversation at 647-1893. And uh, you can join Reverend Barnett tomorrow morning at Heavenly Joy Church on Facebook. Miriam Barnett, Sr. on Facebook. So let's go to Corey. Corey, still yeah. with us? Hey, Corey, hi. Hey, Hello. Thank you for hanging in there with us, Corey. We're so sorry about the difficulties. No problem. Appreciate y'all taking my call. Hey, just real quick, I'm going to reference some feathers. All right, people, a lot of people saying they can't afford their IDs and stuff to go vote or get their information and all that so they can properly get their documents to go vote. I'm going to say this. You had all the numbers to them documents to fill out them uh, returns and everything from the stimulus checks and them tax returns. And you got two or three stimulus checks plus your tax return. So, I mean, getting $11 out. $2,100 or $3,100 of them stimulus checks and your tax return could have went towards you paying for your ID. I don't know. Hold up, Corey. Uh, I didn't have to fill out any money to get a stimulus check. I know I had to file income tax. But you had to file your income tax. Right. You had all your numbers to file them, file them income tax documents. So you saying That's that people, people should, I mean, that they already have the the whereabouts of, the, of getting a, a ID to vote? Yeah, if they if you're getting a check from the government, that's enough to pay for your ID to vote. The ID to vote ain't anywhere, anywhere between ten and twelve dollars, and you got a twenty one hundred dollar check. Okay, let me ask you a question. During COVID, the driver's license place is closed down, and you had the appointment only. Appointment only. So you can fill out your voter registration. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Corey. Wait a minute. Just a minute, my brother. Uh, mm-hmm. My driver's license expired in December mm-hmm. of of twenty. I had to wait until February of twenty for my appointment. The election would have right. been over. So what would I would have to do? They were still taking your documents at the elections office during COVID. That's an excuse because my daddy had to do the same thing. He had to wait three months to renew his his documents for his CDL. 
And as long as he had his appointment time and everything set, he took that information with him to the polls, and he also waited for three months and took it with him to DPS. That's an excuse. I don't know if it's an excuse or not. And what do you do if you are... Uh... If you live in a small town in uh, the next... The small towns were more open than the big cities, and I work in a small town, and I live in the big city. I don't know. You, you posed a good argument. I'm not saying you wrong, but I'm just saying voter I'm suppression is I voter suppression. For. I'm telling you what I know for a fact. I work in a government office in a small town. What town you work in? I'm not going to disclose that, but I'm telling you. It's, what county it's do you work town. in? It's a small, it's a small town outside of Dallas. I'm gonna just put it that way. Those offices were open, and, they, and people were getting mail, sitting in, mailing in their stuff. Because uh, that's, that's an excuse. I don't know. I got more callers, Corey. We have to get picked this up some other time. But I thank you for your call. All right, have a good one. All right, who do we have? Who do we have next? Hi. Hello. So we have someone new. Good morning. Good morning, you on air? Hello. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I was just calling in. I just wanted to piggyback on uh, what Miss uh, Miss Foreman was saying about we have to understand that this is a continuing fight. We have not arrived since the rolled back Reconstruction Law. It was the process was to eliminate. The voting, that was what uh, the bigger part of the Reconstruction, rolling back Reconstruction law was all about. So I wanted to uh, uh, give Ms. Foreman kudos to bringing that information forward to let the people know this is a struggle that continues. The struggle does continue. It does not end. We have not arrived. Right. 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 And the fight goes on, so. And we got to stay in the fight. All right. We got to stay in the fight because this fight goes back. That was that was what the Reconstruction was about, the ability to vote. That's why we were able to do what we did during that period. And they realized that, and therefore the effort has always been to eliminate, not to suppress, but to eliminate the vote. That's good information. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, I didn't get your name, but thank you for your call and for the great information. And I want y'all, somebody do some research and find out, because uh, Corey brought out some good issues about you have no excuse for not getting a voter ID card. So who do we have next? Okay, we we have someone Hello. new. Good morning. Good morning. Who do we have? Hello. Yes, good morning. You on air. Oh, this is Joe. I just wanted to say real quick that uh, we have to be reminded that we are an endangered species. Blacks are an endangered species. And they've been trying to get rid of us, uh, especially since the time that we stopped providing free labor. That's talking after slavery. We're considered very expendable. So we got to vote stronger. We gotta canvas more, we gotta walk more, we gotta stay the course, as Foreman said. We are an endangered species. We gotta be woke, never forget it. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, appreciate that because I think you're right. Because when uh, President Obama got elected, we just lost all our calls again for some reason. <laughs> but when y'all called back, I don't know what just happened. We're having some issues. 
All the lines just got kicked off. Call back, and we'll try to get you on the air. Uh, but when President Obama got elected, uh, I think we thought we can lay down our swords and and go and just enjoy the ride instead of continuing the fight, as Miss Foreman said. So go ahead, Miss Foreman. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part part of the problem is is that um, we look to national elections, but not local elections. Right. Local elections are the closest to you. They're gonna really affect your everyday life. When you think about your state representative, your city council person, your county commissioners, your judges, your school board members. And and let me just jump on this real fast. You know, uh, Trustee Joyce Foreman sits around a very powerful board. Now, I understand that as a councilwoman, I'm around a horseshoe that's very powerful. But the most powerful weapon that you can use education. To, is education to enhance and empower. And so it becomes critical as we move into these local elections that we send people to the board who have an education, number one, who understands the power of education and the impact that education has on us not just today, but as we move forward. And so that's what we have to also begin to understand. That is the weapon right there, is education is the tool that we need to focus on and to empower people to make this nation what we talk about, what we want it to be. So I commend uh, Trustee Foreman because she fights a fight most of the time by herself. And it's more than just her coming to the to the to the to their horseshoe to talk about books and and she's talking now about the history and yes Frederick Douglass says if there's no uh, struggle there's no progress mm-hmm. but she does more in terms of pushing programmatic remedies and it's more than just naming schools programmatic remedies go into the heart of education of the children. And so she continues to fight and is not oftentimes alone so that folks around that horseshoe around that for the school board understands it's more than just her coming and being recognized. It's about taking care of the needs and feeding those children more than just tapping them on the back. And I can continue to say we need to applaud her and applaud her efforts as she also talked about supporting that young man who at the last minute Dream was, I don't know, we're not going to say it was deferred, deferred but the system, system is political even the that. System. And I won't go into that because I know how it I works will. as a former teacher when you all of a sudden go in and somebody's grade change, all of a sudden right. you change that position of that person. So education is the key. But I want to make sure we understand that we've got to go back to the basics and we've got to put people around that horseshoe who understand education from a school board stance. Thank you. All right. We thank you for your call. Uh, We'll talk about education slightly, but <clears throat> well, we got key. another. Yeah, we key. got another call. I don't want to lose him. Who do we have? Hi. Good morning. Me? Yeah, that's you. You home? Oh, okay. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Yeah, good, morning. good morning. Good morning. Very good forum. I have two questions, Trustee Foreman. When can we stop teaching to the test? Those children get bored. It is absolutely horrible. They're not learning anything. They drop out of school. When can that be eradicated? So, Councilman Arnold, um, 
I'm having issues with the refunding of the police. I want some of that monies to go to the dispatchers. That was the awful tragedy the other day when the people could not get 911 to pick up when that baby was getting stabbed. They called over and over again. It took a long time. I think they need to have some better correspondence between them and the police. So when things are happening, they can kind of bring down the level. And, and so the police don't come in with guns blazing and things get out of control. They could tell, you know, tell different things that this is a, a mental issue or uh, domestic violence. So we can uh, coordinate things. They come in with guns blazing. So can we get, can we get some of that done? All right. Go ahead, Ms. Foreman, first. So uh, thank you for the for the question. Uh, you and I are on the same page, and I, I would say Councilwoman Arnold is probably on the same page, too, because she was actually in the classrooms. Uh, but what you do have is a state assessment, and the state assessment comes out of TEA, as you probably know, and, and that's controlled by the Commissioner of Education, who is appointed by the governor. So it's back to us getting people in place who have a real understanding. A national norms test worked for years, but now we have that state assessment, which is rigged in so many ways. They've said it themselves. Uh, And now we're forcing the teachers, rather than teaching and understanding the needs of individual children, you're pushing the teachers into a position where they've got to teach to the test Mm -hmm. to be able Mm -hmm. to get paid and to be able Mm -hmm. to move up. That Mm -hmm. has to stop because many of our children come to the classrooms with different issues, different learning Mm -hmm. styles, different ways to assess what needs to be done, and we need to do a better job of getting a governor in place that will appoint a commissioner that would be willing to listen to what we have to say. But more than anything, public education is about money. It's about funding people, funding their friends, contracts, and -hmm. those kinds of things, and that has to stop. So we're on the same page. Yes, ma'am. Ms. Arnold, you want to address the 911 call? Yes, and we are evaluating that, and and Chief Garcia and and City Manager and, 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 and also Assistant Manager John Fortune Uh, and the council, we're working uh, expeditiously to address this issue of employing those 911 civilian officers, uh, employees, so that we can can address that situation. But I believe right now the plan that we have with working with other uh, municipalities will be one of the first starts. We can do a better job. We're going to do a better job. But also I'm going to encourage everyone who's listening to write their city council member or to write the city manager to give your input because we need to hear from you. Yes, we could advocate, but it does help so that we'll know exactly where these deficiencies are hitting us, especially from a community standpoint. So my, my you can reach me at carolyn.kingarnold at dallascityhall.com, and that's pretty much how you will reach most of your city council members, if not by telephone. But it is an issue. It's a very serious issue, and thank you mm-hmm. for bringing that up. Thank right. you. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, oh, yeah. Thank, and thank you for your call, call ma'am. You're right. My city council is very familiar with me. Have a blessed day. Wonderful for <laughs> Right. Thank you. Uh, okay. Two more things. One thing uh, uh, on that uh, email address. Yes. Uh, you got a lot of flack from uh, 
people, your opponents mm-hmm. saying you weren't answering emails. Don't you have staff to answer your <laughs> yeah, emails? But, but, you know, all of that is political. At the end of the day, it's all about documentation, and we're data-driven. So any data that we receive by email, we have that. It's archived, any telephone calls. And so it's all, it also, while we're listening, for those individuals who have concerns about city services, it's great and it's needed to call 311, right. get a service request number, and we can pull that. Because it's much better for us to have data so we can push the resources in terms of, as opposed to performances, what we see a lot of times in some of those folks who just want to perform and not want to produce. All right. We got one minute left, and I'm going to use 30 seconds of that to let Ms. Foreman. Even two minutes. Oh, we got two minutes. Yes. Good. (laughs) Ms. Foreman, uh, take your time. Talk about about our young lady that graduated from Carter that's going to the Olympics. We can't leave without that. Yes, absolutely. Carter Cowboys. Sha'Carri Richardson, who is going to go to the Olympics in the 100-yard dash. Uh, Sha'Carri was on the Carter track team, and actually uh, I'm wearing a a championship ring that, um, and I'm showing it here, uh, that uh, I have because of Shakari and the track team at Carter. They won back-to-back championships in 17 and 18, 2017 and 2018 um, from the UIL. Uh, we are so excited. And again, once again, that is an example of who our children are, right. rather than them telling us who our children right. are. Right. She's found her space, mm-hmm. and in her space, she is excelling. And so we're just, as a uh, community, as Dallas, as the Carter family, uh, we are excited that she ran for us. All right, go ahead, uh-huh. Quickly, 30 seconds. I want to thank uh, uh, Reverend Barnett for allowing us to be here today. But quickly, I want to give a shout-out to Walmart for their continuous uh, support of vaccines, uh, vaccine drives, and supporting us, especially in District 4. And please understand, public, this, this disease has not died out. And so it is important to get that vaccine, keep your mask, be safe, just be thoughtful in how you approach interaction moving forward. And go to that south, uh, what is it, the community market at Cornerstone Baptist Church on Martin Luther King. Right. Uh, thank you to Pastor Simpson and his crew there. All right. Thank, and thank you all for listening to us today. We had a great time. We're sorry if we rushed you, but it was so many calls and we enjoyed. <laughs> when you enjoy, we, we enjoy. Right. And um, Reverend Barnett will be back next week. So, And thank you, Pierre, for your oh. Great job and thank you. you yeah. The callers got kicked off and you kicked them back on it. Right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and have a great day. God bless. Yeah. We had a great morning. Merci thank you. Ah, oh, merci. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>